Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Transfer Portal CFB presented by No Context CFB. Got another fun episode prepared for y'all. Um, we have Andrew Dion with us of the Transfer Portal CFB, Andrew W of the Transfer Portal CFB, myself, um, and our special guest this week, Jack Mack of Barstool Sports. Hello, Jack. How are you doing? What's up? What's up? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Very excited to have you. Um, if you just want to tell everyone that listening, like what you do and stuff, go ahead. All right. So um, I do a lot of things at Barstool. Um, specifically, I would say my main job is social media, but then also my, I would say second main job would be um, working on unnecessary roughness, which if you've seen no contact CFB or on Twitter or on social media, hopefully you've seen unnecessary roughness on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, um, the podcast in general with Brandon Walker and Casey Smith. Um, I'm the producer of it. I'm also on it in terms of like a third mic, which is great. It's something that I take a lot of joy in and really like because I started um, in 27 or around 2016, my own Twitter account and whatnot in the college football sphere called Tailgate Heisman, which is was a long time ago. And then I ended up getting like seasoned, desisted by the Heisman Foundation, but I, which is crazy, but I, but I started there and that luck. Then I ended up at Barstool and I uh, am now working on that podcast and then a bunch of other things. But in terms of college football, I also blog sometimes and do some other things as well. But I would say in terms of college football, it's just unnecessary roughness. So um, if you're listening or whatnot, hopefully you've seen that because we have really grown the podcast um, and the social media pages for a while now, which is something that I really like doing. Yeah, y'all have grown a lot and you're like doing a lot of good things and it's fun to see how much growth you're helping out with over there. Um, I had no clue you got seasoned assisted by the high school. <laughs> That's yeah. awful. So it was actually like a lot of my life, there's just like random lucky things that have happened to me. But it also is like coincided with like some like random stupid thing or dumb thing that happens. And I luckily enough, so I started Tailgate Heisman in 2016. It was just a blog. It was probably like my 30th blog. I started on Twitter and like on like a random website, but this one I like really committed to. And I really committed to the Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. And I even made a t-shirt shop, like kind of like you have now, where I would just do random t-shirts for random players. It was Lamar's season where he won the Heisman. Um, and I made stuff for that. And that was the season or and then that summer so after that season that would be the 2016 after 2016 season I got hired as an intern for Barstool and I was still running the blog the tailgate Heisman I didn't tell anybody at Barstool because I just didn't want to lose the blog and then also lose my internship but I was in San Francisco and I remember getting an email and it was a season desist letter from the Heisman Foundation. And it said like, um, we don't, I didn't even read it because I just shut it down right away. So I was like, okay, I mean, I guess this is it. But that was like, uh, if there's an origin story with me, it's tailgate Heisman blog to like nobody 
And then it, it picked up like some steam, not that much, but enough that I was able to put it on a resume and impress Barcelona enough to get an internship. And then luckily I just got involved with Barcelona before it like really exploded. So um, that's kind of my story in terms of just the college football, like social Twitter world, which is something that is a, I really like because I mean, without it, I wouldn't have a, a job. So it's like really cool. Yeah. Um, all the like tweeting that you do and I do and everyone else does on college football Saturdays, I don't think people realize how much dang work we put into that every, every oh, yeah, Saturday. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm really impressed by <laughs> you because it's like, it's like right away. I get like, you guys are on top. It, it, the no context CFB account is on top of like literally everything. And it's really impressive because I don't know if it's just you or there may be others. I know you started this transfer portal thing, which is really cool too. But, and College Football Saturdays, it like, there's so much happening at once. And like, you want to take a breath sometimes, but then you miss something and it's, you I literally remember. You can't take a break. And the Saturdays are during the season. I mean, there's only what, 16 of them or whatnot, but they're like legitimately crazy. And it's like, kind of weird because it's like oh I watch football for a job but then but it is work it's like you can't miss this thing happening in the San Diego State game and then but um the good thing is I find it I'm sure you guys do too just like college football is like the really like funniest craziest thing ever in terms of sports in America at least for my for my opinion um and it's fun but it is. You're not wrong. Those Saturday, the Saturdays are like, I wouldn't say tough. They're just a lot. It's tiring. It's like it's 15 tiring. hours or whatever. And like, I, I'm not like an outside guy, but like, I do like going outside and like taking a break or like not having to look at a computer every second. But those Saturdays, it's really tough to um, do that. It's um, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. It's like still awesome, but the good thing here is at Barcelona, I mean, we do have like a massive team now, um, not just for NSA roughness, but just social in general. So there's so many eyeballs on it. So like I, I couldn't be able to like walk away for a day or whatnot for a Saturday, but it is nice where there's other people that send me stuff and whatnot. But I remember when I started at first, when it was just me, it was, I don't like, I don't know if I could do it again because it was like, that was crazy. Um, and it was like before I had everything, um, before I had everything in check with, now personally, I mean, you know, I have like six TVs in front of me and whatnot. When I started it, um, Tailgate Heisman, I was in my dorm room um, at Fordham University in the Bronx in New York. And I did it all on a computer, and then like an iPad and a TV. So that was like, and now it's, now it's a little bit easier and it's a little bit more convenient, but that's how I started it. So it's nice to have um, like some more help. And also it's nice to watch games with people. That's fine too. Cause I had the same set the last few years was one TV, one computer, and then my phone. And now I have a better yeah. set now, but definitely um, 
we had the same setup for the last few years, I guess. Uh, one thing I did want to ask was, obviously, you're doing a lot of big things on social media. What's any advice that you have for people that want to, like, run a Twitter account or start their own brand, essentially? Yeah. Any advice for that? Yeah, so that's always, like, it's a difficult question because it's so broad. But I remember... I think like a year ago, we were just in one of our social meetings and we were talking and our boss was just talking about like, we, you, if we're like, if you want to stand out in social, like you have to think of ways with your brand to stand out. And he brought up no context accounts. And I thought of the no context CFB account, because if that's the one that like almost, I see the most, but there's others. There's like you know, no context like Sopranos or no context office. And then like those accounts like really do well. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't do that for college football right now. But like if you wanted to like get really into like you have to think creatively, like you have to look at trends like that. Like like um like I would if you were, I'm looking at Miami football, like you could start a no context Miami. It's not the great example, greatest example because I would probably do something else, but I would look at trends. Also, another thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently is if you see something on Twitter and I think Twitter's like the, like if you look at every social platform, like there's Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit and whatnot the two places that are ahead of everybody in terms of like funniness, um, like intelligence and like truly everything else has the fewest users. And I think it's Twitter, but you can look at what's working on Twitter and then take it to TikTok, um, take it to other platforms. And I'm not saying steal, but I'm saying like, okay, this is what's working there. How can I have like a, I would think to myself, how could I have a no context or unnecessary roughness approach approach to um, TikTok or not even Instagram as much. Instagram's a little bit harder to grow. I would just really focus on TikTok right now um, and video and um, like writing is great too. But if my biggest advice would be to just like go all in on that um, and like personal brands too. Those are really important. Um, And then it's tough. It's like, it's hard to like identify, like if you, you own, you either get it or you don't like, you couldn't just, you know, what's funny on a college football Saturday, but that's just because of like a billion reasons why, you know, like there's impossible ways to teach somebody that, but if you do get it and you do feel like you get it, I would just like really go all in and look at trends, look at accounts that are doing really well and be like, how can I not copy them, but learn from them? Like, look at their last a thousand tweets or something. And if you're like, oh, that's a lot, then like, I mean, you probably don't really want to do it that much because like a thousand is nothing. But if you just look at everything, be like, hey, like what is no context CFP doing? What is Unnecessary Roughness doing on a Saturday? And how can I take this and like, and even think what aren't they doing and then I can do it. And then also, if you want, you have to get into the community. So um, like, I wouldn't become like a reply guy, but like, 
reply with funny stuff or videos and whatnot to like big tweets and whatnot and get involved in the community. And then also like ask to help out. Like if you ask to help out somebody and like these accounts, like we just said, the Saturdays are hard and whatnot. And it's sometimes if the right person shows up in your mentions or in your DMs and wants to help, they, I will accept. It's a little bit different because like I don't run Barstool, of course, so I can't really be like, hey, if you work for me, then you'll get hired here because I have no idea if you will. But there's like, if you are someone that's looking for college basketball or like an NBA, MLB, reach out to somebody and be like, hey, can I do this for you? Don't be like, how can I help? Say, this is what I'll do for you. Here's an example of what I do. And I'll do this every day for you. And then also just be like, maybe at the end, you can give me a recommendation or something. And then you can also grow your account at the same time. I'm rambling here, but I'm trying to uh, give as much advice as I can. Yeah, I think you did give a lot of good advice. One thing I would like pinpoint there is the studying of other accounts like you said look at no context cfb and unnecessary roughness for like ideas and stuff that's what i did um in the spring after college basketball ended all i did was study other accounts and trends and the kind of analytics of twitter and figure out how i could grow no context even more so even though even though i already had like a kind of big account like growing it even further and studying and all that super important to do so i think that was really good advice and anyone listening that wants to get into this kind of stuff should really study hard like like at school or something yeah and um well i brought up r2 accounts but like even reddit cfb that's another great account on twitter um then there's like random accounts that are like kind of just growing and um, you can look at those and be like, what's this guy doing? What's this girl doing? And um, and also like, look at, I sometimes look at like, oh, this is what's going really well on like soccer TikTok or something. How can I bring this to college football? Like how, because if something's appealing to a person who's a fan of another sport, but it's not happening in the college football world yet, that's a massive opportunity or for whatever sport that you think you could really like attack hard. I identified when I, in 2015 uh, or 2016, or no, 2015, when I started Tailgate Heisman, that I felt that there wasn't a good, like SB Nation was doing an okay job with it, but a blog that was just college football related, but more like kind of for for a lesser, better, or better term, lesser of a better term, was like a culture blog. Um, that covered everything that people were talking about um, and that covered every story, not just the injuries or whatnot. Um, that, and I noticed that, and I mean, it led me to Barcelona. So in my mind, it was, it worked. Um, so I would look at, I would look at stuff that exists in other big sports and say, oh, this exists in this sport. Why can't I do that for what I want to do and what account I want to grow? And then I would do that and um, attack it from that angle because every sport doesn't have everything specifically. And you could even, or even if you just want to focus on a team, like then you have a billion possibilities because there's probably nothing for that team at the time. Yeah. For anyone listening to this, like seriously, listen to what Jack Mack and then some of the things I said and really just listen and take that advice because there was a lot of good advice there and it's obviously helped both of us in a tremendous way 
Mm. Um, going into our next topic, we'll just – I just want to know what everybody's favorite college football meme or no-context image is, and I'll start with uh, Andrew W. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, uh, Liam, and thanks for coming on the show, Jack. I am going to be a little biased here, uh, Minnesota fan. I, I got to go with when we have the surprise gopher on the, the video board at the, the stadium. It, it's just, I don't know. It's not like funny to the point where you want to laugh. It's just funny where it's like, it's just ironic that someone is putting that image up there in the middle of a football game and it's of a gopher. So got to love those. And kickers hate it. Yeah. We, we tried it against Miami uh, this last weekend. Unfortunately it didn't work, but ended up winning so it's really all that matters that's like 224 with a lot of homers though so you're chilling uh what's yours andrew d uh i could go biased here and pick the wisconsin one i remember back in 2010 when we beat iowa we beat them on like a last i forgot what the play was exactly but it just left all the iowa fans in surrender cobras one of the best games i've ever seen in my life uh but the i am sad sign is is just legendary like like and i know that the frank beamer zero zero between wave forest and virginia tech is always a classic but for me the i am sad is like it is like the most relatable at any given time during a college football saturday like you could post that during an interception right after the loss your favorite player gets hurt it's just so iconic that you can just literally just it is such a no context photo is that you could literally use it for every context so the the, the I'm sad uh, sign was is definitely. And you're going to have to help me out here. Wh- which game was was that from? Yeah, I was just going to say the best part about it is that's a Kansas fan. Yeah, it's a Kansas fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what game it's from, but I remember I it was within the last five years. It was sure. very – I think it was 20 20- – 19. I think it was the year before the COVID season. I could be tripping, but I think that was it. And he DM'd me on no context a few weeks ago. Like, what was it? Like, I was just going to say, like, it could have been, like, I don't know, an Oklahoma game or, like, such an embarrassing loss to, like, I don't know, an out-of-conference MAC team that they played. I mean, I don't know Kansas' schedule, but it's like, you could have lost by 56 to Oklahoma. You would have put that. You lose that to I'm just throwing out a random team here. You could have lost a ball state and you obviously would have thrown that out there. You know, it, it, it's just legendary. <laughs> oh, wow. So funny enough, it came from the game that had every meme ever, which was the game where Kansas lost Oklahoma and they didn't shake Baker's hand. No and, way. And, and then Baker like grabbed his crotch, of, grabbed his crotch. And then I forgot who called it, but the, but essentially did a Joe Buck. That is a disgusting act. No um, way. So that's that. That's crazy that it came from, at least, I mean, I could be wrong, but it really looks like, just from my basic Google search, they came from a senior day game in 2017 against Oklahoma, and that must be the Baker game because Baker was drafted right after that year. That's crazy. I, I would have never, never guessed that it was that game. Well, legendary game, and that's what makes college football so great. Some random Oklahoma-Kansas game produced so much, so many iconic moments that we could look back on and laugh at in, like, 
10 years down the road, we're still laughing at that. Uh, what, what was your uh, favorite no context image or meme, Jack Mac? Um, I have two. I, I was just, just from thinking right now, um, the zero zero Frank Beamer, and then um, the just the image of Sam Ellinger about to say we're back is, I don't know, it's still, it could, like, I mean, Texas could, like, become the greatest thing ever, and it won't be funny anymore, but that, just the image of him, like, smiling and, like, looking like this, because you, you know what he's about to say, to me, is one of the funniest, it's my favorite. Did you, I just wanted to say real quick, did you guys see that video sent out by the Arkansas football page on Twitter where they put up, like, at first it was their win over Notre Dame, I think it was, where where it had Charlie Strong on the sidelines saying, the announcer saying, we are back. And then it has Sam Ellinger saying, we're back. And then I think there was, like, another, oh, it was The Undertaker at College Game Day saying, yeah. saying once we beat the mighty SEC, and this was when they played LSU and got smacked, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And he also said Texas back. And I just thought that was one of the absolute greatest college football videos all time ever produced. That was a great, that was, um, I was about to say that if there's something big in college football that like, I would say any program should attack hard, it's social media. And I don't know why they don't, because I mean, all the play, that's all the players do is they're all on social media in high schools. So like you'd want to be the cool account. And Arkansas was doing, has been doing it for a while. Cause I remember like back when they sunk after Chad Morris, um, they were still doing a lot of stuff and it was felt cringy cause they stunk, but they just essentially tweeted through it and got through it. So like, good for them. But uh, I would say like, that's why, and then coaches too, like, I'd almost feel like one of the things that you could do in college football in terms of being coming like big on social media is like starting an agency where you teach programs and coaches how to use social media in a way that kids think is cool. Cause I think that would directly like impact recruiting. We see it with Lincoln Riley. Like I think that's half the, like he's made Oklahoma cooler than when it was with Bob Stoops. Oh, hundred percent. And he does the eye emojis. And then why I'm pretty big on Shane Beamer is it seems like he's bringing a very similar vibe to South Carolina. I like his hires of football. Like, but I mean, college football is bigger than football right now. It's all about recruiting and like your social media presence and like how you make players feel. Um, and we know kids now are obsessed with social media, TikTok not even Twitter. So you don't have to be cool on Twitter, to be honest, as long as you're cool on TikTok and Instagram, like that's my biggest pet peeve about, I'm a UConn football fan and they, they are like just so, so bad on every social platform. So not only are they the worst football team in America, they're also the worst social account in America. So it's like a double, like there's no hope. Is it fair, though, that we draw the line of coaches in social media at Davos TikToking and we don't go past that? We yeah. don't enter that ter- territory because that is frightening. So in my agency that I just created in my mind, like we would talk about like you can't be cringe, but so cringe. <laughs> but I also think players like we see with Dan Mullen and like I think like younger play, like they like the cringy old white guy. Like That's as long true. as. Like, and like, they know Dabo's like cringy and like does bad dances, but they're kind of like, oh, that's cool. 
Like as long as you <laughs> like the saving these nuts thing that's going around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they think that's funny because like not because it's actually fun. It's like a meme. It's like yeah. you, so I almost feel like it's like failing your way to the top, like or cringing your way to the top. Like Dabbles was so bad that probably the players liked it. Um but yeah, I think that's something that like would be really massive. Like take like Nick Saban has like the school for coaches that don't coach good. Like we should create the school for coaches that don't tweet good. And then we just become millionaires because True. we change college football forever. True. So um, now I just created the I just gave away the greatest business idea in the history of the world. <laughs> um I just, I just uh, remembered to one of the other things Arkansas did because I just thought of Lane Kiffin. He does great on Twitter too. When Arkansas beat them last year, they did the Thomas the Train crashing. Exactly. There, whoever runs on like whoever runs it, maybe it's a team. Maybe I know colleges pay their social media people like shit. I know that like in for like everything, which is crazy because like we you we know there's a lot of money in college football. And like, if you like what's hold like what's holding. And then I don't know if you guys remember, like all those great LSU videos um, mm-hmm. during the 2019 season, those guys then went to USC. Cause I think USC was like, we know this is cool. Come to us. We'll pay you more. They should do the same with social media. I think those guys are also like kind of social media guys too, but they, those are two really, really cool. Like colleges need to think about their brands. And, and when someone's good, they need to like pay them because I just know from like knowing people that there's no point in going into social media and college athletics because it pays so poorly sometimes. That's very true. Um, We'll get into our next topic here. We spoke a lot about no context images and social media and college football, but uh, my I don't really have a favorite meme or image because I have so many of them at the top of my head. I guess I'll say the Bush comparison, though. That one's an all-timer. Um, the George W. Bush, Reggie Bush comparison. I wish social media was up back then. <laughs> I wish I was old enough back then to even have an account or whatever. But, uh, yeah, uh, we'll get into um, a bet that we like this week because I know – I know you like Bang, Jack, Mac. I like Bang. Andrew likes Bang. The other Andrew needs to start getting into betting. But, uh, yeah, what's He's like, talking about me exactly. <laughs> what, what's one bet y'all are looking at this week? We'll start with um, Andrew D. this time. Uh, Michigan State plus 16 at Miami. Honestly, going right to bet. Did you get that line? Uh, I have in front of me right now. But I still what? think it's ridiculous. That's that's that a real line? Six no, and a half. that's that's not. Yeah, there's I'm, no way that's a real. I was like, I'm looking. That, I'm looking. That's, that's, looking what at, line, I, that's what the line opened at. That's what the line. I, opened I'm looking at. at it right. I'm looking at it right I, now. I, I, I literally know see what, plus sixteen in front of me. Yeah, yeah. That's what it opened at like two, three months ago. Yeah, two, three months ago. Has Let me look at this up right now. Let me look. It's at six and a half right now. I promise. It's a yeah. It's a like six and a half right now. Sixteen would be criminal. That's robbery. If, that, yeah, if it's 16, I'm just putting my entire life savings on it. Yeah, I'll invite y'all here in Vegas. Y'all could come place a big okay, bet well, and okay. we could watch that easy bet hit. This is MGM right here. What the hell are these guys talking about? But, <laughs> it's it's the but, line but, uh, 
Well, then in that case, I'll still take Michigan State plus six and a half because I think they're because I still think they got a really good chance to win at Miami regardless. Uh, I really like Kenneth Walker. I think Thorne's been a pretty underrated quarterback. He hasn't turned the ball over. Uh, Miami, we've already seen what they do. Their offense is terrible. I do not trust their defense, right? Really, I just look at Michigan State. I think they're one of the more underrated stories going into going in through these next first two weeks of the season. I, I still like Michigan State, regardless what the line is. I could it could be minus two and a half, and I probably still like Michigan State. I respect that. Um, I think we all know how I feel about this Miami team. Yikes. We'll go to uh, you, Jack, for your bet. Uh, This is a tough card. It is. It really is tough. But I'm going to roll with – I really think Auburn has a good team this year, so I'm just going to go with them plus six and a half. Um, I think Penn State wins by three, but I could see Auburn winning for sure. Um, I also really like – I not really like, but I do think Florida is going to have a – is going to play well this weekend. But um, those are my two favorite bets just off the top of my head for now. Yeah, hopefully Auburn wins and we can have a whole bunch of bone nicks for Heisman copy pasta. That will be fun. Yes. Now, the, if Auburn wins – one, I would like for Penn State to win just for, like, I don't know, it would be cool. But also, if Auburn wins, I mean, the takes from Auburn fans would be amazing. So, um, I'd, yeah. really, I'd really look forward to the Auburn um, just fans. I think they would start to brag to everybody that, like, we were all wrong. And then they could end up going six and six. Like, I, think yeah. it's on the, I think it's on the table. I was looking at their schedule. They could win this game. And – even go into the Georgia game where they into the Georgia game undefeated, but still end up six and six, seven and five. Like, I think it's, I was looking at their schedule. I think it's possible. So that would also be a very awesome, like meme in itself. So mm-hmm. a good story. College football. Kind of track. Yeah. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll have to see. I'll root hard for Auburn. I'll root hard for that plus six. Uh, what do you have Andrew W. Um, I'm going to go with a line that I feel like should be a little bit higher in favor of the team I'm, I would be betting on, which is Cincinnati minus three and a half against Indiana. That the Indiana performance against Iowa still has a sour taste in my mouth. I, I think Cincinnati, they did start off slow against uh, Murray State last week, but I, I think that they have a good game against Indiana. They got a great coach. They got a great quarterback in Desmond Ritter. They've, they've got a very talented defense and I just want to see if Michael Penix can replicate what he had last year. And so far I haven't seen it. So I, I like Cincinnati minus the three and a half points. I'm shocked that that spread is at three and a half. I also yeah. want to give a special shout out. Another bet that I really like just to throw it out there, Oklahoma minus 19 and a half against Nebraska. For, as far as I'm concerned, that should be at the 24 or 27 range. I mean, we already know about Nebraska. They're not even convincingly good in their win so far. So, and Oklahoma, I mean, I think they have an easier challenge this week compared to Western Carolina last week. So <laughs> sad to throw that joke out there. But uh, no, I, I honestly think Oklahoma, they're going to beat Nebraska by 28. And I think easily too. you know, whatever this Tom Rinaldi is going to obviously come out with some really good storylines on college game day, but not a, oh, sorry, Jim Waterhouse, whatever. But I just think Oklahoma is going to win by 28 at least. 
I like that one. Um, the one I went with was fan favorite, UTSA minus 12. I love our Roadrunners. Uh, I think they could win this game easily by two-plus touchdowns. They're playing MTSU. You know uh, UTSA is a very good Conference USA team. They deserve a lot more love. They hit hard. They run tough. Really stingy defense to face. And they play with, like, an unrivaled passion. That team is having so much fun. There are two games now. People aren't really aware of how fun this team is on both sides of the ball. Uh, that's a team I'm looking at to watch all season. Hope they get more love. Hopefully they dominate the Conference USA and we could see like a 10-win UTSA team. That'd be sick. But yeah, I think with Frank Harris and I really like Zakari Franklin receiver. I think they scored 35 plus here and blow out MTSU at home. Next thing we'll do is player focus, where we're all going to name a player that we're looking at to have a big week um, on Friday or Saturday, whatever whatever it be. We'll start off with uh, Jack Mack here. We'll start off with Andrew W. here. All right. Uh, a game we've actually talked a decent amount uh, is the Michigan State-Miami game, and my focus player is a player that Andrew D. Uh, talked about a little bit, and that's Kenneth Walker. I think that if Kenneth Walker can put up a good performance against Miami, it gives Michigan State a real shot of winning, not just like covering the spread, but actually winning straight up. Yeah, I like that. I'm still disappointed App State lost last week, but that's another conversation. They need to run the ball more. I thought Miami's interior defensive line was getting beat up, and I don't think App State ran the ball at the middle enough. Uh, what, What about you, Andrew D? Purdue quarterback Jack Plummer. And the reason why I like him a lot is because he's at, he's getting off to a red hot start. Uh, I know Jack Mack; he's kind of busy right now. But I was going to talk about his performance against Connecticut this past weekend. Threw four touchdowns, two hundred forty-five yards. Uh, another quarterback who hasn't thrown who hasn't thrown a pick so far. Um, and they're playing up against Notre Dame at Notre Dame. I think this is a really good week to look at Purdue as being the. The sneak attack or the trap game, I think trap game would probably be the best word for Notre Dame. Purdue's off to a really hot start right now. Uh, they got that win over Oregon State to to cap to start off the year, the 49-0 over Connecticut. I think this offense is one of the most underrated in college football right now. Uh, I think Jack Plummer, I think he's going to go into Notre Dame, and I think he's going to – I think he's going to have a really good game against the Irish. All right, we'll see how he does there. Sorry for the UConn slander, Jack. Not, I guess that's something that you can never avoid. Um, what's your player focus for this weekend? No, yeah, there's – I mean, it's kind of the only option. If you're going to talk about UConn and their football team, like you're going to talk about the slander, but um, which I don't blame anybody to do. My focus player, I'll give it to – I want to see how Desmond Ritter does against uh, Indiana. Um, we kind of rode off Indiana, but Indiana may have a decent or actually a pretty good defense. So I want to see how Ritter does. This is a really big game for Cincinnati um, because if they win this one, then and Notre Dame stays hot, like then the game against Notre Dame could really be for if they're going to um, have a shot at the playoff and then i also want to see anthony richardson slash emory jones against yeah. uh, alabama um specifically i want to see anthony richardson can he uh he's looked good against two fau is actually a pretty good team um 
but I mean, South Florida sucks. So they're they're one of the worst teams we're going to see all season. Yeah. So, but I want to see if he can do it against. Um, he doesn't have to be the greatest player of all time, but I want to see if like can he keep Florida in the game? Can he add an add an element to Florida's offense that keeps them or has them look look like a team that could beat Alabama? So we'll see. Yeah, something we'll talk more about later is that Alabama-Florida game. I completely agree. Anthony Richardson needs to be their QB1. He's just so much more fun to watch and brings a whole other dynamic to their offense. Uh, again, we'll speak about that later. My player focus this week, actually, pl- player plays on a Friday. It's UCF's Jalen Flasher-Robinson. Um, I think he's going to have a huge night against a pretty awful Louisville defense that we saw Ole Miss carve up time and time again. I think Robinson has definite NFL potential, even though he's a five foot nine speed receiver. He's real tough. He takes hits uh, and he's really good at contested catching, which is definitely shocking for someone this size. He's made some impressive contested catches. So I really like Flash. I think he'll have six plus catches for uh, like 130 plus yards, two touchdowns. Um, all right. We're going to go right back into that Cincy Indiana game. We're all going to give a. Uh, give our picks for uh, this game and then nine other ones that we're picking this week. So uh, I'll start with you, Jack, since you previously spoke on Cincy and Indiana. What's what's your pick for this game? A little analysis, if you have any. Uh, this would be – we're talking straight up or spread? Straight up. Okay, yeah. Um, I really shouldn't have even asked that question because my – against the spread and straight pick is the same for this game. Um, I – hate Cincinnati with all my heart. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that. Yeah. I, think I think they're pathetic. I hate the school. I hate the fans. I just, it's, it eats me alive. Um, I think the Big 12 is going to be pathetic with them in it. But I think they have a really good team this year. Um, and I think they're going to go in to Indiana, and I think they're going to win and win by 10 to 17 points. Um, and that's not a just like disservice to Indiana. Um, somebody we were talking about players we want to look at. Somebody that was just been disappointing has been Michael Penix. I was has really high hopes for him this year, but I think Cincinnati is going to go in there get a really good Power Five win. It won't look that good because I think Indiana may finish seven and five, but Indiana is a good team and with a good defense. And I think he's there. Cincinnati can go in there and really dominate and show that they are a power five team, which they won't end up being after Luke Fickle leaves and they're in the big 12 and they're, it's just like, like the American, they're just, the big 12 is the American now. That's what it is. Like yeah. welcome. They, 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 they took one step up and one sideways, like congratulations Cincinnati. So, um, but yeah, I think they're pretty good this year. And um, so I'm going to go with Cincy. All right. Um, speaking on the American real quick, at least they're the American. I mean, the Big 12, Yare got me tripping that up. But no, the Big 12's bas- basketball is going to be electric. Like, that's yeah. going to be nuts. Yeah, you know, you know that the um, you know that the Big 12, the new Big 12 is pathetic because the first thing that the commissioner said was that, oh, we have a great basketball conference. Yeah, you do. Like, congratulations. But we all know what pays the bills there. Um, yeah. But you are you are right. Um, the basketball will be great there. I mean, it, it really will be. 
Yeah, we'll act like we're not that interested until um, a few months from now when we're very invested into that. Uh, what's your pick for this one, Andrew? D? All right. Well, first of all, I just want to say let's calm down on the Big Twelve uh, conference. Then they're adding a adding you know basketball schools. I mean, they're adding a Final Four team in Houston, man. I mean, can I at least have that? But in all seriousness, uh, I'm with Jack here. I'm going to go with Cincinnati at the minus four. Them to win straight up. This is honestly for me isn't even a question. I don't. I'm not a fan of Indiana. If you knew me before the season, I was not a fan of Indiana going into the season. Uh, I just thought they had, let's just be honest, too many teams had COVID last year in the Big Ten, and Indiana seemed to be the only one that actually had, you know, a consistent team in terms of health. Uh, I think Desmond Ritter is going to go in there. I think that he's going to tear Indiana up. I do want to give one special mention in regards to Indiana's quarterback play. Uh, Jack Tuttle last week, in quarter of in quarter of the throws that he attempted, he still threw. 23 more yards than Penix did. Granted, one of them was a 76-yard pass, but, I mean, but we just got to be honest here. But uh, I, I do think uh, Indiana, uh, Cincinnati, I'm sorry, is going to go in there and beat Indiana by at least two touchdowns, at least. You make that three for three, uh, Andrew W. Yeah, well, I, I've said my, my favorite bet for the week was Cincy minus three and a half, so I'm obviously going to take them uh, straight up as well. All right. Um, I make it four for four. I also have Cincy. Uh, like Jack Mack, I went with uh, 10 to 17. I went Cincy 34 to 17. Um, I don't like this Indiana team at all, and I got a lot of hate for saying that they're going to start, what, one and five, I said. Because um, I think they dropped this game against Cincy. I think they lose at Western Kentucky, and then I think they lose at Penn State. So, yeah, I said they'll start one and five. I still think that's on track. We could talk about next time, next week's game when Bailey Zappi uh, destroys them, but that'll be a fun. Ba- Bailey Zappi's a good one. We all know that. But yeah, I'm going with Cincy by uh, 17. I think Sauce Gardner, uh, the rest of the Cincy secondary is going to make things real tough for Penix coming off this injury. Once again, Penix has not looked good. And Jerome Ford is averaging 7.8 yards per carry on 30 attempts, which is nuts regardless of the competition he's faced. Uh, we'll get into this next game, which is Virginia Tech, West Virginia. I will start with you, Andrew W. Yeah, when I when I first saw the spread, and I know we're going straight up, I was a little confused why uh, Virginia Tech was, what is it, three and a half point underdogs? Yes. When uh, West Virginia doesn't have a win against an FBS team, if I'm correct. And... I, I don't know. I think that Virginia Tech's performance against North Carolina was good enough for me where I feel like they just have to be favorites in this game. I don't know why they're not, and I'm going to take them straight up. All right. What about you, Andrew D? Uh, I don't trust Burmeister. Uh, I think West Virginia, I think they have the offense to put up points. They just put up 66 on CW Post. All right. I know that's not exactly the most fun, but I don't really trust Virginia Tech when they're on the road. Uh, you already know how it's going to be in West Virginia and Morgantown. You already know the fans are going to be up for this game. I think that energy is going to give West Virginia just over the edge. Um, I think they'll. I think uh, now it's at three at minus three in West Virginia's favor. I think they'll win by around four to seven. I think they'll barely cover that. And uh, yeah, I think West Virginia is going to be Virginia Tech and in a pretty impressive fashion. Also, all right. Curious to hear your thoughts on this one, Jack. Yeah, I 
I don't understand the West Virginia love to be completely clear or, or to be completely honest. I think we see a Virginia Tech team that really beat up on a North Carolina team that's really, really good. Um, and that's an impressive one that we're not giving nearly enough credit for because I think North Carolina might find themselves at the end of the season as one of the best teams in the country. And West Virginia, I think Maryland's another team that's pretty good, but um, we're going to we're going to f- see West Virginia fall to Virginia Tech this weekend. All right, um, I think we just split this two to two because I went with West Virginia thirty-one to twenty-three. The reasoning being, when I see a line like this, kind of like in college basketball, where the home team is a slight favorite against a superior opponent that is ranked in the top 15. That just scares me. And I just think it's, I think it's bait. I think it's a bait line that's going to get people jumping to Virginia tech and the public's going to hammer it. And I could be tripping and be paranoid from previous events or whatever with this stuff. But yeah, I went with West Virginia strictly because of the line. I think West Virginia receiver Winston Wright will have a good game though. Um, The next game we've got up is Michigan State-Miami. We've kind of spoken to that here. Um, We'll start with with, uh, Andrew W. Yeah, um, as I I think we all share those same sentiments, Miami's been very disappointing this year. Obviously, we can just kind of forget about the Alabama game. It's it's Alabama. They were going to lose. But the App State game was a little confusing because obviously we know App State has a good team, but Miami – has had enough talent where they should be able to beat a team like App State, not convincingly, but they should be able to beat them by more than what it was. Uh, I think the run game is going to have a massive effect on this game, and I think Kenneth Walker goes off. I'm going to take Michigan State as minus, or excuse me, plus six and a half underdogs, and I'm also going to take them straight up. Bet, bet, bet. What about you, Jack Mack? I'm going to stick with Miami. I still think they're they're more talented team. Um, the App State, App State's another really good team. I think App State may end up being the best team in the Sun Belt. They were a team I took to win the Sun Belt before the season. Um, App State just hung around in that game, but also that was a tough situation for Miami because they looked forward to the Alabama game for an entire offseason, and they they got railroaded, and then they had to come back and they had to play a really tough G5 team. Um, I think this week they'll get a little bit more back on track and when not convincingly, I could even see Michigan State covering, but uh, I do see Miami winning the game. App State was definitely a very tough opponent, and I'm not sure why people continue to look over them. It it blows my mind. I guess people really just don't be keeping up with college football as much as they perceive that they are. I'm not sure. Uh, what about you, Andrew D? Spoke on it a little bit, and I still think Michigan State's – I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to beat Miami. I think it'll be – I think it'll only be like a field goal. I wouldn't be surprised if they won by a field goal, winning winning the game with a field goal. Um, I think Mel Tucker is really building something special up there in East Lansing right now, Wisconsin legend, by the way. Uh, I think he's just a really good coach right now. I think he – I think Michigan State – they got on the right track, hiring him for Colorado. Um, and I also just think there's just a more positive atmosphere with that Spartan team right now, and I think that could go a long way. Uh, Kenneth Walker, Thorne, I think they're both going to 
I think they're both going to run it up Miami's throats. And also keep an eye on for Jordan Simmons. He was actually the leading rusher for Michigan State when they played Youngstown State. Probably trying to save Kenneth Walker for this game. But uh, I think Michigan State, they're going to have a really good running attack against Miami going into this game. Yeah, I went with Michigan State as well. I think the ground game is going to torch Miami, and I don't think App State took enough advantage of that. Um, the The reason App State lost that game, the reason I'll point to is they had Chase Bryce kind of overthrew his receiver, and he went down at the five in the 19-14 to 14 game. And then their first and goal from the five, and then they kick a field goal on fourth and goal from the five. They didn't pick up a yard. First and goal, they went and run to the outside with peoples. It didn't work. They should have ran inside. Second down, Bryce overthrows a wide-open tight end. I believe it was that Mike Evans fella. Um, and then third down, they ran to the outside again. They didn't pick up a yard. They went with a receiver sweep. It was terrible. If they ran up the middle once, I think they would have scored a touchdown. I think Michigan State has the opportunity here to um, – run all over Miami inside and outside. I like the speed that they have. I thought their blocking schemes against Northwestern were super good, helping uh, Kenneth get to the outside and just take off with his explosive burst. So I went Michigan State 31-24. I don't like this Miami team. I was confident they would start 1-2 and two or 0-3. Oh Still go with 1-2, and two, even though it should be 0-3. Uh, I just don't trust a Manny Diaz-led team or a Rhett Lashley coached. Uh, Rhett Lashley's play calling is abysmal, I should say. I'll look for uh, ooh, Jaden Reed and Jalen Speedy Naylor. Nice one-two receiver combo for Michigan State. I would look, if they're setting up the run a lot, and, like, they're really running down their throats. They're going to – one of those two is going to be open on deep ball, potentially up play action, burn someone. I don't like Miami's secondary at all. Um, next game we have is Minnesota-Colorado, so it's only right we go to the dude wearing a row-the-boat hat and row-the-boat shirt. Uh, what do you have to say for this game, Minnesota student? Yeah, I feel like I might need to take off the hat so people don't think I'm biased, but I'm, I'm going to keep it on for my school. Um, I'm a little worried about Minnesota's performance last week against uh, Miami of Ohio. They, they had a very good first half, but the second half, secondary was getting killed, uh, and the offense kind of lost its potency. Uh, I am still going to take Minnesota because I do think that they're much better in the trenches, and Trayson Potts is a very talented running back who's going to be able to get another – 130, 150 yards rushing because that is Minnesota's offense is just using their amazing offensive line and just dominating teams in the trenches. That's how uh, we've seen a lot from Mo Ibrahim in week one and then last year. And then we saw a lot out of Tracy Potts last week against Miami. Uh, I I think Minnesota wins it in a close one, but I think they'll win because they're going to win in the trenches and get a good run game going. All right. No surprise there with your pick. What about you, Andrew D? There's a reason why I put on this Wisconsin hat, and that was because I had to go against Minnesota on this one. But uh, in all honesty, uh, yeah, I'm going with Colorado here. I think Colorado, I while I do not like this offense, I really like the under on this game, actually. But I think Colorado's defensive line, what they showed against AM last week, was really impressive. They held AM to only 97 rushing yards. And that is really impressive when you consider just the amount of talented running backs that are on that AM squad. Uh, this may also sound, you know, kind of stupid, but I also think altitude is going to be an issue for Minnesota in terms of what they want to do. I do not trust Tanner Morgan as a quarterback in terms of leading a Minnesota offense. Uh, I just think 
Colorado is going to actually take advantage of the trenches better than Minnesota. So I'm going to go against what Andrew's saying. Uh, I think Colorado, I think they're going to control with their defensive line. They're going to control the possession. Um, I see honestly only like a 14 to 10 win in Colorado's favor. What do you have, uh, Jack Mack? This is a tough game for me. It's guy you surrender covertly. Yeah, I know. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go with Minnesota. I still think they have a good team. Um, they they looked good against Ohio State, and then obviously the tough the tough news about Ibrahim, um, which by the way is Ibrahim, because that's uh, or they kept calling him that during the Ohio, the Ohio State game, and I was like, have I been saying it wrong? I want to say it's Ibrahim, but it, it seems like everyone pronounces it differently. So. Yeah, like Gus Johnson kept calling him Ibrahim, and I was like, I mean, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. But not that I – I mean, we all know who we're talking about, um, and hopefully <laughs> it recovers fully. Um, but last week, I mean, I think there's a thing that teams do is they go up big and then they just kind of surrender. They're like, we won. Like, what? And let's just get out of here. And then, I mean, it almost bit – Minnesota in the ass last week, but I still think they're going to win this game. And Colorado had a really tough loss last week. Um, really, really, really tough loss. Um, could have been one of their biggest wins in a while. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Minnesota. I think one thing about Mo, uh, Ibrahim, Abraham, whatever, I think one thing a lot of people overlooked is that while he is a great running back and all that, so much of that is just the volume that he gets and and their scheme helps running backs so much. There really isn't much of a drop-off to Trey Potts. I think Potts has looked pretty dang good. I think he's got a, a bright future ahead of him at Minnesota. Uh, one guy, though, Dylan Wright at receiver, Texas A&M transfer, that, that guy's playing in the NFL soon. That, that guy's a freak. He has eight catches for 163 yards and two touchdowns, six foot four, real good receiver. Think he deserves more love. Another Minnesota receiver going to the NFL. Uh, despite that, I'm picking Colorado 24-20. I like Brendan Lewis, their quarterback. Think think he's going to get Colorado going in the right direction. Redshirt freshman quarterback. There's the tools there that you see that you really like for a college quarterback. So I'm just rolling with them. And we'll kind of just get into our next game real quick. It's Nevada, Kansas State. We'll go with you first, Jack Mack. Yeah, this is another one of those interesting games. I am high on Nevada, but also cautiously high on them. I really like Carson Strong. I think he throws the ball with NFL readiness that we don't usually see. But the Nevada team as a whole isn't that great I feel um I think but I felt that going the week one I think that they go into Cal and win um and Cal last week goes to I don't like playing this college football math game where it's like this team goes and plays there and then that's how they play against this team but we did see Cal play well against TCU last week and TCU looks like they have a pretty good team this year so what do I make of Nevada now, Kansas State doesn't have um, Skylar Thompson this week, or at least for the next few weeks, it seems, which also really, really stinks. But I still think they're a good team, and I think they're going to win this game. And uh, I 
believe they'll win it, not in convincing fashion, but by seven to 10 points. So I'm going to roll with Kansas State. All right. Tough, tough. I don't like hearing that because I'm all over Nevada this year. What, what, what's your pick for this one, Andrew D? Uh, I'm actually gonna go uh, with uh, Nevada here. I mean, we kind of hear we kind of we talk about it all the time with Carson Strong. I know you're his number one fan. I wouldn't be surprised if you have one of his foam fingers at your disposal right now. But uh, in all honesty, I really do like a Nevada's team. I do think they can. Were you just looking for for uh, for a foam finger? Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, so it looks like that Will Howard is going to be taking over for quarterback uh, for Kansas State. Uh, going into this game, uh, t- truthfully, it's hard, it's really hard for me to trust a backup quarterback going into this kind of game because, let's be honest, Nevada, they should be a top 25 team. They are a top 25 team. Uh, and I just think that they're going to put up the points to outscore Kansas State. Uh, I really do like this uh, this running back matchup with a Deuce Vaughn and a Toa. Is that how you say it? Like Toa Toa? Toa Tawa. Sounds really good. But – uh. I really like those two running backs a lot. I think we're going to be seeing them. But I honestly, Carson Strong for me just makes the difference for Nevada. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pick with the team that's on your polo shirt right now. All right, Andrew W., let us know what you got. I'm I'm trying really hard not to make a pun about Carson putting up a strong performance and Romeo helping them get some dubs. (laughs) You know, that's really hard for me to do to not make a pun. Uh, I'm going to agree with the consensus here. I do think Nevada beats Kansas State, uh, not convincingly, but I, I'd say by like 10, probably. All right, that means Jack Max on his own island with Kansas State because I obviously have Nevada. I have a 41-28. I just think they're a much better team than people realize right now. Um, the defense, I am still – I am a bit worried about defense because I don't think they've – performed at the level I expected them to. I expect more havoc, still more turnovers, which they did force a huge turnover um, against Cal, um, huge interception. But, yeah, without Skylar Thompson, QB1, you're behind the eight ball from the get-go, and I think Nevada's going to be very, very aggressive in this game, take a lot of shots deep. Uh, I mean, we all spoke to Carson Strong. He is – QB1 or QB2 in this NFL draft class. I truly believe that. I have believed that. His arm is sensational. He's got a dang bazooka attached to to his body. Uh, I think 355-plus pass yards is very doable in this one. I think he hooks up with Romeo Dubs for a couple of deep deep bombs in this game. I think not – I think a little Heisman chatter starts to begin after he gets wins – on the road at two power five teams. I think the strong Heisman talk starts to begin and we'll see how that continues. Alabama floor is our next game. Heisman candidate here, Bryce Young. Um, not sure what, what y'all are expecting for this game. I know we heard Jack talk about it earlier. He's excited to see Anthony Richardson and or Emory Jones. What was your winner for this game, Jack? I'm still... I mean, overall winner. I, I can't not pick Alabama here. Um, I do think Florida keeps it close within seven. I think we're going to have a really good game. And I really am interested to see Bryce Young on the road in an environment he's never been in before. I mean, he played, he played football, high school football in California. Um, this is like 
I think the guy's a baller. Um, and last year he got to go on the road and stuff and like go to games. But I mean, last year was a joke compared to yes. this year in terms of environments. Um, so I really, and the, the Swamp's going to, I mean, it's 3.30 at CBS. This is the biggest conference game of the year so far. Um, everyone's going to be watching. The Swamp's going to be packed. And Florida has a good defense too. So I'm really, or better, um, I'm really interested to see how uh, he plays. But I think he's going to, he just has a, the way he looked against Miami. And I know it was not, Miami's not the greatest team, but he's just, I think he's just a cold killer. Like, I don't think it will phase him. And I think he's going to play really well. So, um, I mean, but I'm still interested to see how he does. He's ultra confident, um, just super calm, cool, and collected. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, try and pick on Kair Elam of Florida. I think that's a really fun matchup to watch. Uh, what's your pick for this one, Andrew W.? I feel like it's impossible to pick up against Bama at this point. Yeah. I think they've just proven they're the best team in the country. And unless someone does something that makes me think otherwise, which I don't know if Florida will, uh, I think it would be criminal to not take Bama in every game they ever play for the rest of my life. Eternity, yeah. Tell us why you like Alabama. Other Andrew? Uh, pretty uh, bold of you to assume that I was just going to pick Alabama. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm picking Alabama. Let's just be honest. I think up to this point, uh, I think Bryce Young will, is currently the Heisman favorite if you were to go to Vegas right now. I know you're in Vegas, so you might as well correct me on that if I'm wrong. And uh, there's good reason to. I mean, he goes out there. It felt like after week one with all these new quarterbacks starting uh, to start the season – it felt like that Bryce Young was the only one that everybody was extremely impressed with and for good reason too. Uh, so I really do like Bryce Young. I really like Mechie. I really like Jojo Earl that they got in Alabama too. I, you know, he had a big game against Mercer last week. Uh, I just like Alabama's offense for me. This is what really goes on. And guys, and like Florida, please just do us all a favor. Just start Richardson over <laughs> – just start Richardson already. I mean, he's to me, it feels like every time he's on there, he's big dude. He's athletic. He's a freak, an athletic freak. He's just better to me than Jones is. Uh, but for all we know, I think we could probably see a two quarterback situation against Alabama. It'd be a pretty bold strategy for them to do that. Um, yeah, I, I think Alabama's gonna win this one, but I think, but I still think Florida's gonna cover it. I think Alabama's gonna win this by by 10. Yeah, I, I mean, I picked Alabama too, obviously. I went with 45-28. I as Jack said it, Bryce Young is a stone-cold killer. I don't think the environment's going to face him much. I just think it's another business trip for him. He's a stud. Watching him against Kyer Elam, I spoke to it. That's going to be so fun. Two future stud NFL players at their respective positions. And then Malachi Moore, uh, going to be a sick defensive back for Alabama and in the NFL, super versatile, just a really fun player to watch. Um, and, like, if Florida doesn't start Anthony Richardson this week, it better be next week because, I mean, what are we doing here? It's not – it's it's very clear who the more talented quarterback is. And it's not – like, it's not anything against Emory. He's great and all, but, like, Richardson's a potential star, so, like, what are we doing? Just start him already. 
going to another huge matchup here. Mississippi State at Memphis. Huge implications in this one. Uh, what 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 you have in Mississippi State Memphis, Jack? I'm gonna ride with. Uh, I'm gonna ride with Mississippi State. I'm gonna just keep riding with them. They're just gonna sit be there three and all with two really good wins and a decent win against Louisiana Tech. I know we kind of clowned them for that, but it, it like we need to. I do respect G five. It's a win. Like it really, it's a win's a win. However, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but this Memphis quarterback looks. I mean, maybe Arkansas. That's again. Yeah, maybe Memphis uh, or Arkansas State just has a disgustingly bad defense. But I think uh, he he looks impressive early as a freshman. So I guess we'll see. And uh, but I, that this is like a sneaky good game. Like I'm excited yeah. to see what happens. It def- I don't know what time slot this is in, but it is a sneaky good game. Did Brandon, like, brainwash you into Mississippi State love there? What? So, like, when I'm – I was I was actually more of a bullish on Mississippi State heading into the 2018 or 19 season than he was. I thought they were a top-10 team. Hmm. However, that was due to Joe Moorhead, who used to be the offensive coordinator – at UConn, then head coach at Fordham when I was at Fordham, then he went to Penn State, and then he ended up as the offensive coordinator or head coach at Mississippi State. I thought he was going to have a really good team that last year with Fitzgerald. He didn't. Um, I still think it was a mistake firing him, but I understood. I think they tried to force a Northeast guy into the Southeast, and it just didn't work. Um, But, yeah, I kind of like – I've always kind of liked Mississippi State, and I like – the uniqueness of having being on a podcast that isn't like Bama, Georgia. It's A and M and Mississippi State, who are both. I mean, they have the exact same jerseys too, and they're both Adidas, so it's kind of it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's dope. Um, Andrew D, what's your pick? Uh, I'm going with Mississippi State here. Um, I just think, well, I think whenever you consider the fact that. Memphis's two wins so far are Nichols and Arkansas State, and they give up 50 to Arkansas State. It kind of does lead me towards Mississippi State uh, a little bit more. Uh, it felt like there was a lot of love for NC State going into their matchup last week against Mississippi State. Um, but Mississippi State, they went in there, took care of business, won 24 10. Uh, I really like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I really like Will Rogers, the quarterback. He's having a really hot start to the season. He had 370 against Louisiana Tech. He had 294 against North Carolina State last week. Uh, I think he's going to have a similar game in this game also. I do not trust Memphis's defense. And uh, yeah, I think uh, Mississippi State, I think they're going to win this by at least a touchdown. Interesting. Interesting. Do you show the group of five some love? Other Andrew? Uh, some group of five teams I love, uh, not Memphis this year. Uh, I'm going to stick with Mississippi State. Uh, alluding off to what other Andrew said, I do think Will Rogers is going to have a good game. And the the defensive performance against an NC State team that it seemed like a lot of people were decently high on, I, I think that was a pretty good performance for them. And I think that's going to not help them because obviously it's a new week, but I, I think it's going to show us that Mississippi State is a team that isn't just – you know, a good quarterback with Will Rogers. They've got a very solid defensive performance last week. I think they have another good one this week, and I think they beat Memphis handedly. 
Gotcha, gotcha. It's in my contract. I'm contractually obligated to pick the group of five team here. So I have Memphis 48-42, high-scoring game, uh, potentially overtime perhaps I think we could see. I think it'll be a fun game. Uh, Seth Hennigan, as Jack kind of spoke to, he's been a dope quarterback even though it's been too inferior and that's being polite opponents. I think he's shown some promise. And Calvin Austin at third's a great receiver. Uh, I'm just going to roll with Memphis. Not much reasoning, just kind of gut feeling. Going into huge game, though, uh, Auburn-Penn State, fun game. Should be a fantastic atmosphere that we've really missed, especially at Penn State, because that place was a ghost town last year, obviously. Uh, Andrew uh, W., what what's your pick in this game? You know, it, it's tough for me to pick against Penn State in a whiteout game, uh, so I'm going to have to take the Nittany Lions. Their defensive performances this year have really impressed me. I, I do think Auburn has some great talent on offense, but I, I think Penn State's going to win because they have great defense, and that atmosphere is just going to be electric. What about you, Andrew, the it feels like I've been high on every uh, – I feel like I've been high on every Big Ten team, and it feels like every time I'm on a podcast, I speak highly of every Big Ten team, except for Minnesota. No, just kidding. Uh, but uh, it's really impossible for me to pick uh, against Penn State here, a wide out. I just think they're a much better defensive team than Auburn. I do not trust Bo Nix going into a wide out game in this type of atmosphere. Uh, I think Hackenberg, I think he's – I think he's going to be a much better quarterback than what we're typically seeing. Uh, guys, Auburn played Akron and Alabama State to start the season. Okay. Penn State has already played Wisconsin to start the year against that heavy defense. Uh, I think Penn State, I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to cover. I think they're going to win this game by two touchdowns at least. All right, Jack Back, you gave out Auburn plus six and a half. Uh, you think they win or still Penn State yeah, back three? Give, yeah, give me Auburn. Ooh. Bo Nix coming out party for the 800th time. Why not? Let's do it. I mean, I went with the same thing. I went Auburn 20 to 17, uh, potential Tank, late field and then like goal. Tank, yeah, and Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby leads Auburn to the win, but then Bo Nix gets all the credit. He leads them down the field with like one or two kind of fluky, yes. lucky throws late, late game, game winning drive, Heisman talk. Bo, Let's go. Bo Nick's masterclass incoming. I feel it. I feel it. And I think everybody thinks Auburn's going to lose this game. And I think they're going to come in there. Bo Nick's masterclass 13 for 20, 117 yards, a touchdown with one minute left on the clock. And it's like, on the drive that leads them down the field, he does like something insane that like shouldn't work, but it does. And then Auburn fans buy in and then they're just disappointed for the rest of the season. And of course he potentially throws an interception or two while he's doing all Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Early <laughs> first quarter interception in their own territory. So like, uh, yeah. So we basically yeah. have the whole storyline right now for the Bo Nix. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> I know this is this. I just gave you the game. Watch it happen, and then come back to me and say how smart I am. If we'll, if we'll, not, if not, I it was just a joke. Yeah, we'll clip it if you're right. If you're wrong, we're just joking. It's no. Yeah, I'm talking about Bo Nix. 
it's a joke. It's like Bo Nix. It's like we're just having fun here. It's a we're just memes. It's a meme. We got meme accounts on here. It's like it's just a meme. Like Bo we'll Nix the record. What? We'll Nix the record. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so why do the so why do the two Big Ten guys on here have to be the only ones to pick the Big Ten team? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're not biased. I don't think I am. No, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think you guys are. No, I, I wouldn't. I've never. I haven't seen any bias from you guys. I just met you, but like no bias. All right. Uh, I. I mean, I have Auburn. Well, I say twenty seventeen. I think someone to watch, like no meme. Andrew W. spoke about him on a, uh, on a show we did for Draft Prospects. Namaya Pritchett, I think I'll have an interception off Clifford in this game. Not a big fan of Clifford at all. Huge fan of Bo Nix, obviously. Masterclass incoming, as Jack told you. Next game, we'll kind of roll through these last two games kind of quicker. Uh, you know, time, time is of the essence. Uh, Oklahoma State, Boise State. I have Boise State 34-24 on the blue Smurf turf. I think Khalil Shakir has a big game. What do you have, Jack? I'm like the biggest Oklahoma State fan ever. Um, I don't know why, because I also think I feel like I like Oklahoma more than Oklahoma State. But I think they have a good team this year, man. I think they have a great defense. And I think um, pretty much anytime you lose a running back, as long as the guy behind them is like decent he can replace the productivity in most cases. We're seeing that with Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders makes like some of the dumbest decisions. He's like almost the bonix of the Big 12. Yeah, but that's a perfect I, comp. And I was so I was so excited for him in 2019. I remember that Texas game when they played Oklahoma State. I thought he was going to be a guy that was going to – like he was making throws, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy is only a freshman. He couldn't turn, and he's, he's built like an NFL quarterback. He can run. And he just does these stupid plays. But I'm so bullish on Oklahoma State. They're winning this game. And Boise State's going to be one of the best two-loss teams in the country. It's nothing against Boise State. I love Khalil. Um, and um, I think uh, – I mean, I like Boise State. This stinks because I love – I mean, I wouldn't even say UConn's in the G5. They're like their own conference of suck. But, like, I'm a G5 fan. I've always been a G5 fan. But I've, I'm going against the G5 teams. I'm just licking the boot of the Power Five so far, which is disgusting. But I like – I'm bullish on Oklahoma State. I think – I think there's a scenario where Oklahoma State is in the college football playoff discussion. You can call me crazy. Oh, gosh. So, so but I'm th- – this is another thing. We can come back and clip. And you're joking think, if it doesn't happen. It's all good. I'm, you guys can go, and I'm just going to go through their schedule, and I'm going to tell you when they will be in the conversation. Also, it's really quick. Speaking of Sanders, I completely agree with you. I thought he was going to be sensational. Him and Chuba and Thailand, I thought were one of the best trios in the country, and that did not that did not pan out. All right, so November 27th, would I be shocked? That it's eleven and zero Oklahoma against eleven and zero Oklahoma State. No, I would not be shocked. I'm just letting you know, and um, and it's truly will be bedlam. It will be in every sense of the word. 
I hope it happens because we're so due for like an over the top, just incredible electric bedlam showdown. Um, I, I, I hope that you're correct on Oklahoma State here. I hope you don't end up like me who picked Washington to make the playoff. Um, yeah. I picked them to win the Pac-12. So I mean, we, we were I joking. So, but that sucks. Yeah, we were we were joking. We we didn't know that five of their their top five receivers would get hurt already. That and we like, didn't know. Their offense is incompetent. Like, we didn't know that they could only score like twenty on UConn's defense. It's, that would be such a great. That'd be a great game. UConn won't be able to move the ball. Yeah, exactly. Washington has an elite defense. They still have one of the better defenses. Well, I mean, just... UConn can't move the ball on a yeah. bad defense. I just – I would yeah. – could UConn get the ball past the 50-yard line? That – you know what? We were, great talking, we were watching the Mercer-Alabama game last weekend because everyone was on, like, Mercer plus 55. We were talking about how in these situations, what would the spread be if Mercer had a 12th player on the field for the entire game? What was that conversation like? I'd love to hear that real quick. I said you, Bama would still probably be 33, 32-point favorites, but it's worth 20 points. So UConn for a game against Power 5, like against Vanderbilt, they should be allowed to have a 12th player on the field. They should it's the saddest any, sentence any, anyone has ever said against Vanderbilt. Yes, yes, against Vanderbilt. Oh, no. And then when they play Clemson later this year, it, I can't wait for that game. UConn's going down to Clemson. Um, in that game, UConn should up 12. Pl- Here's a question. UConn has 13. Pl- How many players would UConn have to have on the field against Clemson for you to bet UConn to win the game? I don't know. 17, 18. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think I, numbers go that high. Let's let's say I tell you right now, UConn has 15 players on the field every play of the game against Clemson. Are you take who are you taking? Clemson. Clemson. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Repeat that one more time. So UConn is playing Clemson like in November this year. Correct. Yes. Second to last week, I believe. If UConn has 15 players on the field and Clemson has 11, who are you taking? I assume it's probably two more in the secondary and two more in the front seven. Well, no, really offense, too. Offense, they want. offense town. Oh. It's the entire still, game. Still cl- I'm trying to think this out tactically. See the problem yeah, is yeah, yeah, still close, still close. The problem is I don't think Dabo's going to care about the pass rush at all, and he's just going to focus on taking away every intended receiver. And uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think UConn's run running attack would do anything. Um, well, another question. No, we have to go, but we were talking yesterday. Nick Saban becomes the coach of UMass tomorrow. Does he win a national championship in the next ten years? Assuming he has full health, health is like he's young, like he everything else exists. He has ten years left of full health. Not that he was going to pass away in ten years, but more so like he's getting older. He'll be in ten years. Yeah. He'll be a lot older. 
It's the Nick Saban that we have right now that's recruiting at a high level yes. and all that stuff. I don't I'd see say, why you want to say yes and just take a stab uh, at it. I would say no, not close. I think he would need 25 years. 25. I actually agree. I actually agree with Jack here because I'm trying to think of everything. First of all, you got to think of what conference are you going to put UMass in? That's yeah. the one thing. That's the biggest thing. That process in itself takes at least five to six years. Facilities. They have to build new facilities. And also, I'm just trying to convince what do you like? Because UMass isn't even in Boston, it's in like Amherst. It's in Amherst. It's not even close to Boston. And I'm just trying to think, like, how can you convince a recruit to go to Amherst over an Alabama team that probably isn't going to be the national champion that we that we think of, but there's that you know they're still going to be at least a nine-win team? How are you going to convince someone to go to Amherst over a, a school like that? I just think you would have to absolutely change UMass, not just the football program, but you have to change the whole landscape of the entire university to make it a football yeah. university. The same way that you got to change all these other Power Five teams. And I'm sorry, but whenever I think of New England, I'm talking about all the New England states and teams in that area. I don't know how you can change any of them to be a football school besides Boston College. I mean, the problem is, like, with that prompt, I think that there is – I think he actually could compete because that fellow is going to put all his money into there. We're going to have the Nick Saban field while he's coaching. That's going to be something. He'll, and he's just a mastermind recruiter anyway, and people want to play for him. We already spoke up hours ago, it seems like, the old white coach that that players uh, like making fun of and relate to and kind of like – they like having around. Like, they could recruit a solid team, right? Right. To make to, to to make to make a G five. I mean, sure. I mean, if you put the, I mean, like, and here's the thing: you're not going to put UMass directly in a Power Five. You have to put them in a, a proper G five conference first, because right now UMass's situation is that no no G five team wants to take them right now. Where are you going to put them? Conference USA. I mean, they were I really, they were in the MAC a few years ago. So I mean, like, may but the MAC said like get lost. So like, UMass is pathetic. Like it's a like UConn has hope. UMass is pathetic. They should get rid of their football team. Like they have nothing. UMass they have is- they have good helmets. The script no, helmets are no, good. They don't. What? They don't have no. Good yes, the, the no, script helmets are good. Also, no. DC will never be anything in football. Okay, they're a joke. They're that's another joke. That was proven they, by by by, uh, by, by Yeah. No, no. I I actually like this Boston College team, but I hate Boston College because they stopped um, UConn, from, football? UConn oh. from going into the ACC because they're a bunch of scumbags. Uh, but um, yeah. So, anyways, Boston College probably is the best New England. Uh, football chance of anything but screw them forever ever i hate them forever Uh, yeah i understand that um you have hate for fairfield too right no i don't mind fairfield fairfield's okay who was it then i'm tripping i thought it was someone i could be tripping hartford Um, hartford i meant it was hartford i mind hartford but they did they did the best where they moved down the d3 I was mad at them for that. That was also yeah. their musical freak school now. Um, <laughs> yes, that's what it was. They, 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 I was so happy when they made the NCAA tournament because I grew up 
going to U-Haw basketball games. And they were so bad in the American East. And the American East is like worst, one of the worst college basketball conferences outside of Vermont, who's usually like pretty good. Um, and when they made it, and they remember, the, I don't know if you remember it, but they had a phenomenal cover against Baylor, like last second, like the walk-ons hit a layup. It was crazy. But um, yeah, Hartford, remember when ESPN used to do the thing where they would play games for 24 hours straight? Yeah, it was Hartford, the best. Yeah. Hartford used to be the 5 a.m. game against Niagara or somebody. And that was always like they would pack the house. So uh, um, I was really ashamed when Hartford went down to the D3 because they gave up on – like they were actually turning into like a decent – like if yeah. they were good, they, they would be able to sell tickets and stuff, but then they gave up because they're musical freaks. I love how you brought Midnight Madness stuff, though, the 26-hour event, whatever. I was the, like, the 11-year-old kid that fake sick to stay home and watch college basketball for literally ever. But uh, we got so off topic there. So real quick, both Andrews, we need your picks uh, for Oklahoma State, Boise State. I'll go. Uh, Boise State wins. It's probably going to be close, but I like Hank Backmeyer. I think he's going to put up enough points for the Broncos offense. Yeah, I'm going to reciprocate that. I, I think Boise State, I think Shakir has a great game, and I, I think they're able to beat the Cowboys. All right, so that's three Boise State picks, and then Jack Max, Oklahoma State potential meme or not playoff <laughs> prediction. We'll, we'll track how that goes. Uh, last game that we have to pick is a really fun game, too. It's Arizona State-BYU late-night game. Another BYU was fun again. They really are fun. Jaron Hall's a monster. Tyler Algier is real fun. Despite that, I went with ASU 27-24. I think a last-second field goal we're going to see. Uh, they have – dang, we need – they have so much talent on defense. Uh, Darian Butler, DeAndre Pierce, who's a six-year senior former Boise State player. Tyler Johnson, Chase Lucas, Merlin Robinson, two future NFL players. Jack Jack from SC, now ASU, still in college. Who knows how? Uh, Johnny Wilson, a six foot seven or six foot eight receiver, huge target. I, I like ASU here, but I really like what BYU has. Um, so yeah, your your guys' picks. We'll start with Jack Mack. I am going to go with Arizona State. I think they have a good team this year, specifically because they somehow avoided, uh, at least for right now, at least like their program kind of falling apart due to a lot of the recruiting violations, which is good because I'm glad that like in the past we've seen teams fall apart because of the NCAA coming in and just ruining seasons because of what coaches have done, which is really unfair to one fans to – um, players, the coach is fucked up and they should be put on as, unless it's like a true program structure failure where there's like, you know, not recruiting violations, like uh, stuff we saw at like Baylor and Penn State. I am not the biggest fan of like ruining a team specifically when they look like they're going to have a really good season. So I'm happy with that so far. And I really think Arizona State's a contender in the Pac-12 and we'll see it this weekend. And, like, I mean, this is the ultimate letdown game for BYU. I know they're playing at home against a ranked team, but, like, that was a, that was the first win against Utah in 11 years, nine games. So I'm going to go with Arizona State, but I'm really excited for this game, and um, I wouldn't be shocked if BYU won. Yeah, I mean, they celebrated, like, that, that celebration was insane. 
when they finally yeah, beat Utah. Yeah, which is crazy that there, like, there was no alcohol involved in that celebration. Like, just, just Dr. You, Pepper and Diet Mountain Dews. That's how they do you, it. When you see, when you saw Arkansas fans go crazy, you're like, those guys, like, are on, like, the fans are on every drug, every, every like, alcohol. But BYU, I mean, they're sober as fuck. So, uh, like, which also makes it a little bit cooler because they're like, it really meant that much. To them. Yeah, that win so, like, really meant the world to them. So, and I like, well, I mean, I love their uniforms and helmets. So, I, I think the royal, the royal blue is one of the most underrated. I think it's such a clean look, and I'm, I'm really glad that they brought that royal blue helmet in too. I thought that was a clean look against Arizona, the all blue. Um, yeah, they, they're cool again, like you said. I mean. So, which is crazy because it's like the strict religious school is cool, and they are so. <laughs> yeah, um, I uh, I maybe they'll storm the field again if they win. Uh, I know one thing though: no no storming of the field will match up to Clemson when they beat UConn later in the year. That'll be that's gonna be that's gonna be so awesome. Uh, that's amazing. I forgot that that's happening. Yeah, that's- I can't wait for that. I'm gonna. That's gonna be such a great meme. That's just gonna be amazing when that happens. I'm gonna be excited. That's why I'm gonna watch the game just to see that. If we keep getting off topic, but the the memeing of Clemson fans storming the field is so good, and nobody ever realizes that. Like, yeah, we know they storm the field against everyone. That doesn't take away from the fact we're gonna make fun of them for it. Like, there, someone's going to get really mad when they storm the field against UConn. I don't know who it is. It could be a random political contributor to some random website, and but they have a blue check mark, so they have like something on Twitter, like a like a people following and whatnot. Yeah, and they'll be like, "Why is Clemson storming the field after they beat UConn?" Does it get talked about on a talk show? Yes. So, but um, yeah, another thing that I'm about Clemson, and while we're off topic. I'm really, I'm like fully in on the real Housewives of Death Valley, which is like a few of the girlfriends on the teams for Clemson's. They're big on TikTok and then YouTube and they go to every game. They like dress up and stuff. I love their content. And um, that's another tip for social media. I'm just going to guess that there's not a lot of females watching this or listening to this. But if you are and you're like happen to be dating a player on the team, um, I would like create like a fake reality show around my me and like my my friends and whatnot that are also also in relationships with football players because that's good content. That was a thing. Yeah, you should look into it. Um, Real Housewives of Death Valley, and then TikTok, Mackenzie Grimsley, and then a few others. It's it's great content. It, I'll, and I'll the players involved, and then it's all who was in it not anymore was Trevor's now wife Marissa. Dang, I never knew about that. Uh, I'll look into that for sure, real quick. Both you and need your picks for BYU ASU. Uh, I'll I'll go first this time. I I do think Arizona State's going to win. I want to see how uh, one of their best defenders, Jermaine Lowell, plays. Uh, but yeah, I, I think BYU isn't going to put up uh, the type of performance that they had against Utah last week. And I, I think Arizona State wins this by seven, probably. Uh, what about you, Andrew D? 
uh, I have made a contractual agreement within myself and my morals to never pick BYU. So, okay, maybe not never, never, but uh, I, even though I do have a lot to say, especially if you heard my rant last week, uh, I think Arizona State's going to win this game. I'd like to see how Jaden Daniels, if he can help even out this Arizona offense a little bit. I think he's currently the leading rusher on the team as well as the leading passer. Uh, he's at least top two in, in terms of rushing for Arizona State. But uh, I think he's going to be able to run over this BYU team. And uh, I think BYU, I think they're going to drown their sorrows in uh, decaf coffee. And I think that's even cutting the edge for them a little bit. I just even – I just speaking about the BYU kids, just thinking about that video where there's, those kids were celebrating in Vegas outside a restaurant. I don't know if anyone knows that video I'm talking about, but like, dude, they are. There's something else. Those BYU. They're fans. freaks. That's that's one word for it. Oh. I know, I know. I I I can say freaks. I can say a cult. I could say, um, crazy people. Uh, these people believe that they can marry multiple women, but drinking coffee is a sin. Uh, these people think that Jesus walked on North America. They believe the Garden of Eden is in Missouri. Uh, I could go on all day about this, <laughs> but I'm not. Yeah, we won't. We don't have much time left on this podcast. We do need to wrap things up, so we'll wrap it up with a few questions for, for you, Jack. We did kind of get some of those answers. We got the answer to how your startup Barstool began, tailgate Heisman, Heisman wanting to cease and desist you, all that stuff. Great content there. Funny story. Uh, we have your biggest sleeper for a season. It's It has to be Oklahoma State. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is Oklahoma State. That's my biggest sleeper. I We spoke about Nick Saban at UMass. Let's hear it for UConn. Who do you want to be the next head coach? Well, I want it to be Joe Moorhead, but I think that's um, that's going to be too hard. Uh, I want Joe Moorhead to be the next coach. That, that's the, that's the correct answer. But that's who I want it to be. It he, should be. The biggest mistake in the history of you, the University of Connecticut football was, one, not hiring Joe Moorhead after Randy Etzel left to go to uh, Maryland. Two, hiring Paul Pascaloni, and three, rehiring um, Randy Etzel. If you notice, Bob Diaco was not any is not on that list, and he was an utter failure. So that's how bad the past ten years have been. So uh, yeah, I, I I would like to know what the most points you think they score in a game this season. You know what's crazy is they lost the Holy Cross. But I'm looking at the schedule, and I see three wins. Middle Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and UMass. We're getting three? We're getting to three wins. I, don't, I think it's possible. I think their I think, Vegas total was 1.5. Yeah, well, That's guess generous. what? Guess what? I think we're getting to three. Um, I think we could even beat Wyoming. Um, now, this week – or, no, how many points – 38 against UMass. We will beat UMass. Guaranteed. No, I. we will not lose to UMass. If we lose to UMass, I don't know, that's the lowest moment in the history of UConn. It's lower than Holy Cross to me. 100%. I, I love how you gave out a few 
wins. Did you mention Yale? Oh, fuck. So, four. four we're putting four. We got Yale. We should get four wins or it's possible. They're gonna get. They're gonna get three times the win total that that Vegas gave them. Bro, I'm looking at the schedule now. Every game is like a, almost every game is on CBS Sports. Network. Yeah, we got to deal with CBS Sports Network. We guess what UMass has? No deal. They don't have a deal. We're the worst team in America. We're on CBS Sports Network, though. I think I think I saw something about how UMass it was on one of the games. It, it wasn't even like stadium, but there's like a subscription based. It was like a New Mexico State game. I think it was like their Flow week TV. zero game. I think it's Flow, Flow TV Sport. exactly. Flow. They are like bad. Yeah, like they. I think I think UMass is at that level where you can't even watch them on television. You have to get it through Flow Sports. And that and I looked them up. They primarily show high school games. Like I no, saw Flow's I, the worst. I saw teams on on their TV on their TV schedule that featured teams that I played in high school, and they weren't even good. Yeah, flow flow sports is um, not the not the greatest. Like, they broadcast a lot of stuff like college wrestling, and then like CAA basketball, um, and like random tournaments in the November when. Like, yeah, that's the problem. They yeah. they take they have the rights for these MTEs. And I can't watch. The first game of the season last year was on flow, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, stuff like that. And you are correct that UMass is on flow sports. Not even ESPN Plus. They're on flow sports, okay? That's how big of it. UConn, UConn's not even close to flow sports. So we're, it's, I'm still positive on the season, but most 38 points against them. The sad thing is Yale's really good. Um, yeah, really good. They're good don't, enough. Don't, to they're don't they beat Harvard almost every year? From if I'm not mistaken, I think I think that's uh, like back and forth. But Yale, like the Ivy League as a whole, is pretty good in terms of just obviously. I mean, it's not that hard to recruit to those schools. So, um, like if you're mid tier three star and you're really smart, might as well go to Yale for free. True. Um, the UConn UMass rivalry, though, I'm glad we got some insight into that. Hatred runs deep. So I have another layer to it. In 2019, I got information that UMass was like a dominant game against Akron. And I said, like, I didn't say that for sure, but I alluded to it and said, this game is going to be in a documentary and like this season and whatnot. The worst. And then UMass ended up beating Akron. I, the worst part about that was that I thought they were going to throw not only this game, but the rest of the season. Then UMass didn't cover for the rest of the season. So as long as they covered against UMass, I would have had against Akron or Akron covered against UMass. I would have had the most legendary story ever. But then, unfortunately, um, I embarrassed myself on a massive scale. I, Akron minus nine, they lost by nine points. So there was 18 points. And then, so UMass fans hated me for that. This is the only win that UMass's coach Walt Bell's ever had was that game. And it turns out they motivated the players with my tweet and blog before the game. I messed the whole thing up. It was pathetic. By yeah, me. I I bet that game because we. <laughs> yes, you see, you, you see, I'm sorry about that. I oh, fucked up massively. However, however, there's that's the other layer to my UMass rivalry and the fans like 
the 10 of them on Twitter sometimes attack me. And if they lose the UConn this year, I will be attacking the 10 UMass. There's a UMass Twitter. There's 10 of them, but there is a UMass Twitter, and I will be going after them. That's like eight more than Stanford and Kyle Twitter have combined. So yeah. that's, that's, that's a cult UMass has on Twitter. Like, does oh. USC even have fans? Like, I, I don't even know if they do. They do. It, the Pac-12 Twitter is so bad, and that could be like a conversation for another day, but it is dreadful. It's really Washington fans, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah. They, they're they nuts. Um, and then the Utah Washington has a fans crazy are... fan base, too. Real quick, I want to say, Liam said this. When we posted our playoff predictions, uh, there was – I think it was a Washington fan who picked on one of our – you know, one of our contributors who had, who had Texas A&M in her playoff picture. And he basically said, does she live in a state that legalized crack or something? And I was like, come on, man. Like, you cannot be that butthurt about it. They're, they're different. Oh, South Carolina fans, they're also massive oh, pricks too. South Carolina fans. That's why I think they could turn into a good program because they have – an insane fan base like those they're like, insane like like we like we sent out our top five running backs like before the season started and i don't think any of us had kevin harris uh, on the list and we ended up getting swarms of them going into going into our mentions basically saying how we are all freaking idiots and how we don't take the sec very seriously and i'm like dude i had isaiah spiller as a top three running back no, no, his argument was that Kevin Harris was better than Isaiah Spiller because he ran more yards in the same conference. Dude, you play in the SEC East, all right? You had you had to play against Vanderbilt, okay? Like, also, he ran against like 800 – he ran for like 800 yards in that Ole Miss game last year when Ole Miss just decided they weren't going to tackle him. So like, they were like uh, 126 yeah, defense out of 130. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I'm sure that you've had Kevin Harris hate towards you on unnecessary roughness, possibly in your own account. Um, I've had stuff, not me personally, because Brandon like was a really big fan of Kevin Harris, uh, but, um, when we, when they hired Shane Beamer and we made some jokes on Twitter and whatnot, and even on the podcast, they like, they came out and grew uh, at us immediately um and which is good though like i i like that like it means there's passionate fan bases out there and we need those and i'm really impressed by a passionate fan base that's been beat down time and time again because if you stay with them you see that with mississippi state fans too um even texas a&m fans because like i mean their only success is really like johnny um and last year i mean was a great season but uh if you can get through like 10, 15, 20 years of like not sucking, but like having a bad, a bad time, bad go at it, um, those are like really like real fans, quote unquote. I, I live about an hour and a half from College Station from Texas AM. And uh, my almost all of my bosses are AM alums. Let me tell you something. It's a cult. It's yeah, I, yeah. what what I said about BYU being a cult. Uh, AM is just the yeehaw, howdy. Like people on campus literally introduce themselves by saying howdy first. That's what Texas AM is. 
No, yeah, I mean, Texas A&M is something um, out of a, the class rings, the the massive class ring on, the massive class ring on campus that they all take photos in front. It's really culty. And at least with BYU, you can say, oh, like they have a religion. Texas A&M is just like, no, we're just Texas A&M. Like they don't have like, oh, we're Mormons. It's like, no, no, no we're just like, we're Aggies. <laughs> No, that's literally the truth. I mean, one of my friends, uh, she had a friend that go to AM and she basically told me a story about how there's like a freshman ritual about how they have to go to Kyle Field. And essentially they have to essentially they turn off the lights and they have to make out with a random person without actually knowing who it is. And apparently that's how you pick your mates. <laughs> what? What the I'm gonna, heck? I'm going to have to look into that one. That's crazy. I, I do not believe it 100%, but, like, a, yeah, but if, like, if there's, like, a place that would do it, it would be A&M. The only thing I'm backing, like, I kind of believe it is they are, like, their thing is, like, you bring a date to the game and you kiss after every touchdown. Like, it's, like, a thing in their band song. And, like, I know, like, bringing dates to games – in general from uh like in the south is very like normal but yeah, it guess, is, yeah but i guess the kissing aspect is like built into the AM culture and so then this is another kissing thing so um also yeah. nothing with like the whole AM student body apparently it's like some kind of rule well not a rule but like a tradition to get like married at an extremely young age like there are people that graduate college that already that already got married. One of my two of my buddies, one is like 23, the other one's like 22. He's just about to graduate and they're already married already. And apparently it's a tradition on the campus. And I'm just like, no, dude, I'm like 24 and I don't even want to get close to that aspect right now. No, yeah. I mean, AM's uh it's what makes college football unique, all these different uh fan bases and whatnot. So I personally I love the South Carolina fans just going back to them because they're very supportive of no context. And like they got this thing going on where they root so hard for South Carolina, but they're, they're huge coastal fans too, which I thought was pretty interesting. That kind of Alliance, I guess. I don't know. Every I'm, I'm always looking at, at, at our mentions and a lot of South Carolina fans are rooting hard and back in coastal, but um I don't know. I guess the last thing here before we get you out of here, because this was a dang long podcast. Uh, apologize for that. But um, who's the funniest person at Barstool? We know there's a lot of funny people there, a lot of good content creators. Who's the funniest um, person? Funniest person? Shit. <laughs> um, like Nick Terrain is really, really funny. Um, it's like impresses me along with KB and then Roan. Um, like shockingly funny. Um, like could write for any TV show and they would be like top writer funny. Um, they do Nick and Ke- uh, Nick Terrain and Brandon Walker do this segment like once every other college football show that they uh, for that premieres on our Twitter and like YouTube and whatnot on Saturday mornings. It's a roast segment. 
and they roast programs from college football programs. And it's so funny. And I guess this week it gets a little bit like they were towing the line the last time. And I guess they're like, no, fuck it. We're going across the line. And so as you can imagine, like, I mean, there's so many dark, dark, like from a funny aspect jokes you can make about like I mean, any school. And uh, I guess this week's is really, really good. You'll it'll be on Twitter. It'll be on honestly roughness Twitter too, where you can go and see it. it'll be like a seven minute segment or something. So I'm really excited to see that. And Nick writes a lot of the jokes for those. Brandon does too, but Nick's like one of the uh, brightest comedy minds I've ever been around him. And he's also all like, if there's one thing I'd say about Barstool, it's like it's really cool. How like like everyone's like really nice. Um, and uh, obviously. It's like any company, but and you have to work your way up and it has to be, uh, you know, you have to get along with people and whatnot. But uh, there are a lot of the people here are genuinely nice people. And uh, Nick and KB and Rowan, those three guys are like really, really nice and they've been nice to everybody. So um, that's something that makes what makes Barstow, I think, tick from the behind the scenes aspect, like why people like, like myself or others keep showing up that aren't like the stars of the company, but are like kind of the behind the scenes and like whatnot. It, it's because like everyone here is just like kind of like just having fun. And uh, so that's what I think makes Barcel the most unique place for that I've ever been a part of and why the company, comedic minds work here so because they're they're allowed to do what they want yeah no that's really cool definitely appreciate you giving a bigger answer to a simple question there um appreciate having you on for this podcast i know it was longer than i think yeah, but i, I contribute <laughs> i mean i contributed to it i did the umass question the, like, i mean i was i was going crazy there for a second so thanks for having me and allowing me to take you off topic for a few seconds or a few minutes there because uh both of those questions that i was thinking about i i needed answers and sometimes here i mean barstool is more midwest northeast company and sometimes uh not that i mean i'm a northeast guy but a lot of the guys sometimes it feels like don't really understand college football that well um and think it's a lot like the nfl and when it's when it's, when it's not because it's like the difference between Alabama and UMass is so much more than the difference between the Bucks and the Jets. hundred percent. Like, I mean, there's, we, there's a billion reasons, but so, but uh, yeah, I mean, this was fun. Um, thanks for having me on. And I mean, I, I really love uh, your guys account and all the stuff you guys are doing. And um, I think the transfer portal CFB thing that you guys started is great. And um I think if I'm someone listening to this, I would try to like reach out to that and be like, Hey, how can I get involved? And I'm sure you're available to like, listen to people, but you have to bring, you have to bring something to the table. Like that's a lot of things. It's like, how do I work for Barstool? It's like, tell me why you should work for Barstool. Not because you drink beers. Like, what do you do? Like it's a company at the end of the day. And you know, I, you know I, I know we're really running low, but I did want to ask something about that in terms of like what it's like to run to like, you know, work for Barstool, because I feel like, let's be honest, a lot of the especially the college people, 
they like it because they think it's a they think Barstool is a frat party formed into a company. What I like about Barstool is that it feels like there's just a lot of independent minds. I feel like everybody at Barstool that's a blogger, they essentially write what they want to write. And it's honestly one of the reasons why I didn't finish journalism school was because I feel like journalism schools try to form me into a writer that I'm not because like I was voted best writer in my high school class went to journal, you know, took journalism classes my freshman year of college, sent them to me. And she's like, no, this is not how you're supposed to write. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, and I'm like, you know, I, you know, I, I essentially failed that class because I was told that I was not a feminine enough writer. And I'm like, what's like, that's not me. And, and, you know, that's the one aspect of a parcel that I really like. I love it because everybody in there is their own character. They're their own writer they they write what they want to write they they write what they're passionate about and i think that's basically what i love most about the company no yeah no you a lot of what you just said i 100 percent agree with and specifically the journalism thing um i think journalism is something that's great and needed in the world and sports and everything but sometimes like if you feel you're more creative which seems like you are um and don't want to fit into that mold you, you should like go your own path and which it seems like you're doing, which is brilliant and something that other people, because I know that feeling about journalism, I felt the same thing when I was in college. People were like, oh, why don't you just change to a journalism major? And I was like, well, that's like, I knew how I wrote, I knew how I wanted to present myself. It wasn't to be a journalist, nothing against journalists. It's just not me and I wouldn't succeed that way. Like they're good at that skill. I was not, I, I'm not good at that skill. Um, and that's why Barstool works. And because they know that everyone here has different skills and you don't have to conform to like the AP style of uh, whatever the fuck. Um, and that's why I think people like it as well. And um, that's something that I hope you guys continue to do with like no context and transfer portal CFB where it's like you bring people together and like they, aren't like they're all different minds and it's not like they all have to be the same one because like sometimes I mean not to get like I like the athletic I like um I like those places I like those uh websites but sometimes it's just like oh it's like another boring article it's another boring podcast um it doesn't seem like there's any like real like creativity yeah like to it it's like they write great stories and they're like great writers but it's just like Oh yeah, that, that's cool. But it needs to have a hook. That's the thing. Like, yeah, like yeah, and, yeah, and sometimes yeah. you just don't feel that hook that that really drags you in. Yeah, and so and I think Barcel has that hook and it has it in like like you said, like I mean, people in colleges think it's like uh like it's just a frat party. But then when it seems like I mean you're what you say you're 24 now, and like I think all of us are right around that age, like you start to realize like the company's a little bit more than that. It's more like just a comedy company where there's a bunch of random things and then you can pick and choose what you like. But then we also all come together and form kind of like a, a reality show on a daily basis because it's like the college football guy is getting involved with the, like the soccer guy or like Big Cat is going or like yelling at the soccer guy troops. And it's like, they don't do anything on the same podcast together. Well, they do sometimes on part of my take, but like the only reason it's possible they all come together is because Barcelona's like the hub. Um, and then you just create 
a billion things and it's like this it's like a writer's room but a little bit better with more like entertainment i guess all right um just plug your socials real quick yeah. by the way where people can follow you follow your stuff all that cool stuff um so jack mac cfb on twitter that's m-a-c cfb not m-a-c-k um same on instagram unnecessary roughness is on instagram tiktok twitter youtube our youtube is really um continuing to grow i think i'm gonna check at the end of this but i wouldn't be shocked if we're almost at 10,000 subscribers which is a great uh, milestone for us since we just started this off season on youtube and it's great that there's so many people that uh listen to the podcast and decided, no, I want to watch it too. Um, so we put out stuff on YouTube and I think uh, the watching aspect of it's something that uh, I would encourage people to give a chance. So those are uh, pretty much it. And then, uh, yeah, so follow me there. And then when I say roughness on all of those, uh, every platform and uh, hopefully we will provide you with a better Saturday college football experience and then throughout the week kind of like uh, just make college football Twitter a little bit better because I think it I mean it. I also run the main account on Twitter for social for um, um, uh, Barstool Sports and that's another main one of my jobs and I'll tell you like nothing moves the needle um, like the NFL one we all know that but then two college football there's like it's just massive it, it, it really really is so um that's something that, and then like being a part of college football Twitter and whatnot makes college football more entertaining as well. So I would just like, hopefully uh, just give us a follow and then maybe you'll like this, maybe you won't, but like it's worth the try. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely make sure you go follow Jack Mac with everything he's doing. He's doing a lot of great stuff. Really excited to see you continue to grow multiple uh, accounts on multiple platforms. You're doing a really good job. Uh, keep up the good work and thank you again for coming on our podcast as we begin our college football podcast journey and website and all that stuff and continue to hopefully grow. So really, really appreciate you doing this um, for anybody listening or watching hit subscribe button, follow us, whatever it be like this, you know, uh, we really appreciate that. It goes a long way. And thank you again to Jack Mack for coming through and doing this. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. And I think you guys have a really cool thing. And like, I think it could really uh, like just utilize that social um, platform that you already have. And then bring that no contact, what works with no contact CFB into this, like just how it's like, don't worry as much about like, the X's and O's is like just kind of the funny stuff. You don't even have to be that funny. Um, you just have to like know what's funny. I think that's the biggest key. And so, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you again. Uh, thank, thank, thank you so Thank you so much, Chad. Yeah, of course, of course. I'll talk to you guys soon.